for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to yet another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host today, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by the guy who's put in so much work on this podcast throughout the summer, and that is Mr. Jaden Kozak. And we're in here about to discuss probably one of our spiciest teams that we have on the docket of teams remaining uh, to talk about as we are at 11 now. I mean, it's crazy where we started, bro. I remember when we did the, I remember when we did the Rams and the Bucks and those early on teams. I can't remember the bottom two teams. It was Rams and Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but seems like a long time ago now as we come towards the end of our power ranking segment. But like I said, a spicy topic on the slate today with the 11th ranked Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it should be an interesting debate. What you think, man? Yeah, I mean, this is one that I've I've had circled for a little bit. Uh, I am very excited to talk about this team. Uh, this is always a team that's going to be a team that generates headlines, and we're always going to want to talk about the Cowboys. But me and you certainly have conflicting views on this team, uh, as does you know a lot of the media. Everybody's got their take on the Cowboys, but this is always going to be a fun team to talk about, regardless of how good they are. For sure. Like I was, I mentioned to you before the episode, before we dive in, but like. It's it's really just a matter of preference with this team, like a lot of things. It's like if you think that this is going to happen, then fine. Like then you are justified, but you're also justified if you don't think certain certain things are going to happen. I know that sounds pretty generic, but you'll see what I'm saying as we get into the episode. But without further ado, let's dive in to these 11th ranked Dallas Cowboys headed into the 2023 seasons season. And we start at the quarterback position and probably one of the most interesting quarterbacks in football right now to talk about. And that is Dak Prescott, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, everybody knows kind of the story if we've been following football for the past like three or four years or so. I mean, they weren't going to pay Dak. He'd been wanting an extension. He was playing really well, then he got injured, and then they realized how much they needed to pay him. They give him the contract, and so far, it hasn't looked like the greatest investment for Dallas, even though that there's been some rumors swirling that they might even extend him. Uh, That might just be because of the cap hit they're going to take on his contract this year, Uh, but we'll see how that rolls out. Uh, But Dak Prescott, so far, definitely not living up to the hype of that contract, I've got him personally ranked 17th among other QBs in the league. As a BlitzPod consensus, we have him ranked at 13th, so I'm the lowest uh, among all members of the BlitzPod. Um, I mean, he had a career-high 15 interceptions in just 12 games last year. I mean, that's the interception numbers are really what to highlight here. I mean, we've seen day after day uh, training, clamp, the training camp clips coming out of Dak Prescott throwing pick after pick after pick to Trayvon in practice. And other <laughs> members of the secondary, because I mean that's all really anybody can talk about when it comes to Dak is those interceptions. 
Um, and you're stepping into a little bit of a different situation this year than you've had in a while. No more Ezekiel Elliott, the guy that you've had for all of your success in Dallas. He's n- Him and Zeke were like really good friends too. So like no longer do you have Zeke there to help you out in the running game. No more Kellen Moore. And we saw the obvious improvement from Dak Prescott after Kellen Moore came into the system. And as far as PFF in 2022, I mean, we all know it wasn't a great year. And he was 22nd in passing grade, 21st in offensive grade. You could maybe contribute that to him maybe not fully being healthy. But according to the clips that we're seeing in training camp, it doesn't look like it's gotten much better. So I know you think that the hate's gone a little too far on Dak, though. Justify that stance. Yeah, look, I we had a conversation when we first started the podcast in probably early 2021, late 2020, that you were on the opposite stance. You were a Dak defender. You were saying, you know, he's a top eight, top five, whatever the number was, quarterback in the NFL. I was like, look, this guy, probably not there. Like, he's somewhere in this 12-ish range. And now we've gone the opposite way, where you're now saying or you're saying that he should be like closer to the middle of the pack at 16 17 i'm like look he's probably still like around the 12-ish range like that's what he is dak prescott has been a guy for his entire career that needs the help around him if you take away the cd lamb from this offense if you take away the tony pollard from this offense dak prescott's going to struggle but the thing is those guys are here and we'll talk about the playmakers in a second but it's a very good group i mean dak prescott is by no means a scrub. I know that if you looked at Twitter and only Twitter and you only read the training camp stuff yeah. and you only watched the training camp videos, you would think that. But that's not the case. I mean, like, people like to poke fun at it, but, like, one thing that quarterbacks do in training camp is they use it to see, like, can I get away with this throw? Can I, can I stick that in there? And, yeah, they get picked because it's like, okay, well, now I know I can't do that. But the video comes out and it's like, oh, well, Dak Prescott's doing this in training camp. Imagine how bad he's going to be in a real game. So I think we're going a little bit too far. I mean, and we talk a a lot about how those clips are overblown. Like, I totally agree with that. Like, take them with a grain of salt. That's for sure. But they're not nothing. Those clips have happened in practice. Since since 2016, uh, guys, he's ranked in the top 10 among quarterbacks four times in PFF grade. Since 2016, so in eight years, half of his time. Only seven other guys have done that. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins. Not too many other guys on that list. Now, I understand that a lot of the best quarterbacks in the NFL came in around 2018, 2019, 2020. So that stat is a little weird, whereas he came in in an era where there weren't a whole lot of good quarterbacks getting drafted into the NFL. Um, But still, that's something. It's a stat that can be used. I mean... The Cowboys, every single season, I'm looking at his records. When he's playing, the worst record that they've had was 8-8 eight and eight in 2019. They've had a winning record every year. 2020, he was 2-3. and three. Then he gets hurt, so you can't really give him a fair judgment there. And that was the year where he had, I think he was on pace for something crazy, like 6,700 passing yards throughout the first five weeks. So, kind of cut him some slack in that department for that season. Um, but... I just I think that the Dak hate's gone a little bit too far. I think 13 is like if you think that he's outside of the top 10, but I think when you're pushing him down to the bottom half, I think that's where you start to lose me. Um, I mean, he he did rank out like he ranked out as like around the 17 to 20 range, especially in PFF. I mean, he was less than 20 in both passing grade and offensive grade. So like what? 
he threw a career-high 15 interceptions to just 12 games. You're mentioning his past seasons, and I know that he could do that. And you're right. When he was doing that, I was on board. But what happened last year that made him have these results? Like, he was injured, but he came back from that injury. He had plenty of time. It was also just a finger, and he had plenty of time to recover from that finger. So, like, what happened last year? And, I mean, I understand that this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Like, we're going to look at last season and be like, okay, you weren't good last season. You're going to get dinged for that. But going into last season, Dak Prescott was probably in the top 10. This is him getting dinged. I mean, we have Russell Wilson at 18th here after he was one of the worst four or five quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And we're just giving him that benefit of the doubt because we've seen him play at a high level before. You know, there were maybe some circumstances there that aren't necessarily present in Dallas. Um, But... Like, we've got him almost in the same spot where you would have a Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott wasn't nearly as bad as Russell Wilson was last year. I think we could both agree on that. Um, Mitchell put a stat in the the little write-up here that only 39% of his career interceptions are his fault, which is kind of a crazy number that I might actually want to fact-check myself. Um, He does have nine career interceptions due to a drop. Like, and like, that was the one, like the video that went around that was like, Dak is going to be so bad this year. And it was that video of him putting it right on the money and it like pops right through the receiver's hands and right into the DB's hands. But like that, that is kind of how the dialogue around Dak Prescott goes. It feels like a lot of times is that like, he's going to get slandered no matter what he plays for the Cowboys. He is not like a super inspiring choice. He does turn the ball over. They haven't had the playoff success. So it's a lot, it's very easy to poke fun at Dak Prescott. I think he's you know, right up there with Kirk Cousins as far as like, and right up there with Baker Mayfield as well, obviously different levels of talent there as far as like easiest guys to make fun of in the NFL and like the media and, you know, the Instagram pages will poke the fun at him the most just because that's kind of who he is. But I I think it's gone a little bit too far. I think he's got, he's got the potential to have a top 10 season this year. That's no question about that. And we can be in agreement there, but do I think it's going to happen? No. And that's kind of like what we were talking about before the podcast started. Like, if you think that Dak's going to be good, like, fine. Like, I could see a world in which it happens, but it's not outlandish. But I just don't think it's going to happen. So, see how it rocks out at the quarterback position for Dallas this year. But you always have Cooper Rush to fall on if things go really badly. I remember so. that was a conversation. with like, I was sitting here in week four as people are telling me, well, do, do they even need to bring Dak Prescott back? Should they cut or trade Dak Prescott and roll with Cooper Rush? And I'm like sitting there like, are are we serious? Are, is this happening? Yeah. Like, It's the, the backup quarterback fallacy that we talk about. Like, It's like nobody had any tape on him. And he balls out in his first like one or two games. And it's like, oh, shit. That we might have something. Uh, but, yeah, Cooper Rush is not taking over Dak's job this year unless something crazy happens. But All right, but let's move on from the QB discussion for Dallas, and let's dive into this Playmakers group, which among Blitzpot members might have more uh, debates to go on, so I'm looking forward to diving into this. Uh, we've got them ranked 10th overall, and I'll lead this off by saying that I do think I have them a little low, a little low. But in overall, I do stand by my stance where I have them ranked at 23rd among playmakers. It's pretty low, as I said, but that's why I want to lead off with that. Uh, as a consensus, we have them at 10th, with do- which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but honestly, not too bad of a ranking. Uh, but let's dive into it. First, got to start with the man who's 
basically become one of the best wide receivers in the game. And that is C.D. Lamb. Um, been an absolute juggernaut ever since being drafted out of Oklahoma in the first round. He's been awesome. Um, he's probably going to be a top five wide receiver dynasty-wise, at least. I mean, I'm thinking fantasy now. But, I mean, C.D. Lamb's been one of my favorite players. I have no qualms with Mr. C.D. Uh, but let's go around the rest. Uh, you got Brandon Cooks. He's entering his age 30 season. See, so he's getting up there. His best seasons are certainly behind him. Uh, I think you could probably say the same about Michael Gallup now. And I know I used to be the Michael Gallup truther at one point in time. Uh, but he's coming off that ACL. In, well, he had the ACL injury, came off of it, didn't do too well last year coming off that injury. And, I mean, the reports are that he's going to be back to 100%, but, like, I mean, Michael Gallup at 100% is probably still wide receiver three on most teams at this point. Two. Uh, he's a two on some not-so-great teams, but if you want a good yeah. receiving room, you have him as a three, and that's why they go get a Brandon Cooks. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but then you roll, roll around to the backfield, which I'm excited to talk about. Uh, you got Tony Pollard. I mean, he burst onto the scene last year. I mean— he was definitely, like, it was kind of like we were waiting to see what we would have out of Tony Pollard because we always had Zeke in front of him. And then he finally got his opportunity last year, and he balls out, goes over for a 1,000 yards, and he looks like he's set up for another season like that this year, possibly, but I've got some arguments against it. Uh, and then you've got a combination of Jake Ferguson, uh, got Schoonmaker, who they drafted in the second round, but he's suffering with uh, – some major foot injury stuff. So he's not going to be back for a while. Um, Jake Ferguson. And there's one other tight end that I know is trying to get into there. Isn't it Blake Jarwin, I want to say? I feel like it was at one point. Yeah. Peyton Hendershot. Peyton Hendershot. That's who it is. Bang. Yep. The great Peyton Hendershot. Uh, But they no longer have Dalton Schultz. They let him walk in free agency, headed to Houston. Uh, so this is somewhat of a new look Dallas offense, and I've got them ranked 23rd. And a reason, man, I really don't think that this is this wep- These weapons aren't going to carry Dak in this offense to greatness this year. Like I'll lead off with saying that CD Lamb, like I said, always been a great fan, always been a huge fan of CD Lamb. I think he's a top tier talent, top tier wide receiver, whatever you want to say. But Pollard. He is just straight. He's a very talented football player, man. Don't get me wrong. He is not fit at all to be a bell cow running back in the National Football League, especially for this Dallas Cowboys team. I mean, he's always been marketed as kind of like this gadget sort of guy. And he's even coming out of college. That's how he was like profiled. But he got Zeke, man. Like he was basically the bell cow back still, despite what Pollard did last year. Zeke had 231 carries in 2022. Tony Pollard had 193. Zeke had the 10th most carries among running backs, all running backs, in 2022. 10th most, despite playing pretty much like ass cheeks. He was still getting a significant amount of work on the ground. And you could switch it out Pollard, and when you have that change of pace, Pollard's going to see success. You know, he's going to see efficiency numbers like he hadn't had in his entire career. But this is a team that grounds and pounds the ball like they did last year. Like they were, they finished six in rushing attempts total. And 
out of those six most rushing attempts in the National Football League, Pollard had just a 35.6% snap share in the biggest workload of his career. Now, what would be good is if you had anything to supplement Tony Pollard with, something to change pace. So you're not just rocking with Tony Pollard as the bell cow back at 26 when he's never had that sort of workload. You know, I mean, he's, if he's going to pick up all Zeke's carries, he's almost on pace for like 400 carries, which would be Derrick Henry level, which isn't going to happen. But there isn't any other options, man. Undrafted free agent Malik Davis is the number two on the depth chart right now for Dallas's running back room. Ronald Jones just got suspended. Deuce Vaughn is one of the smallest people, period, that I've ever seen in my entire life. And the only reason he probably got drafted in general was because there was a player, there was a the member of the coaching staff is the oh, father of Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. That's not cool. He's getting obliterated on Twitter. And I know, take the grain of salt, Twitter clips, all that good stuff, but he's been getting pounded in the, in the blocking game. And that's so obvious. Everybody could have told you that. But the point is, there's no guy that will be able to carry the type of workload that they wanted to give Zeke last year and Pollard combined. You won't be able to just transition that all over to Tony Pollard. I don't know who's like – and Rojo's not going to pick up all that slack. It's not going to happen. So this is like – this equation doesn't add up for a good season from Tony Pollard this year. Overall. But I want to hear your take on Tony Pollard now. That was a little okay. bit of a rant. I'm sorry. It was. And look – I'm, you know, you brought your lunch pail to this debate, and I'm, I'm I did. glad you did. I did, because I knew I was going to get burned, because my rankings are a little outrageous, yes, but I wanted to come locked and loaded today. All right, so, of running backs that got at least 175 carries, per PFF, Tony Pollard ranks third in offense. He ranks fourth in rushing grade. Very Not doubting numbers. the talent. Not, Not doubting, doubting the talent. Okay. Also, among these guys, he ranks... Third in receiving grade behind, or fourth Not in receiving grade in among the guys in the top 15 uh, behind I Christian McCaffrey, talented. Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon. I agree with all of this. Like, none of this is shocking. None of this is, like, I do agree he's a very good running back, but is it, he can't carry the load. He's not Zeke a 3 running missed two games last year. He missed week eight and week 10. Week nine was the bye week, so he missed week eight and week 10. In week eight. Tony Pollard, 14 carries, 131 yards, three touchdowns. In week 10, 22 carries, 115 yards, and a touchdown. He also has three catches in that game for 13 yards as well. Tony Pollard also, on a yards per carry basis, second in the NFL behind Aaron Jones. Again, ridiculous efficiency. Like, I, I'm totally with that. But he's not going to be able to maintain that when he's getting 400 carries this year. Which won't, he's not going to get 400 carries. They're going to have to figure this out somehow. But Tony Power can physically not receive all that work. All right, let's and look at. He is very talented, some... and he might roll out those numbers for the first three weeks of the season. But when he starts to get beat the fuck up by like week four or five, because he's never done this before, be a bell cow back. He's going to get murdered, man. He's going like, to fall there, off. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that he's going to take a hit in his efficiency. Like the the odds of him getting yeah. five point two yards carry or even five yards carry again are very slim. But most carries in the league last year was Derrick Henry at three forty nine. After that was Josh Jacobs. After that was Nick Chubb at three hundred and two. And then you get into guys that are kind of, I mean, you get in a clump after a little bit. 
where like Tony Pollard's at 193 at 23, but then at 15 is Aaron Jones with 214. This is a good offensive line, which we're going to talk about in a second. I definitely think that there's a world where Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis or one of those guys comes in and can give you 20 to 30% of snaps in the game and be fine. Like they're not going to be Tony Pollard, but they're going to be fine. Like I'm, you know, we had Tony Pollard as an efficiency monster. He didn't get the carries that a lot of these other guys got. He was RB8 in fantasy. Like I know that this is real life football, but I'm not arguing with that at all. He's a producer, but like if you do, if you give him the kind of sample size that he's going to get this year, like I don't think he does it again. Okay, I, I, let's. But okay, all the so arrows point the other way. He's not going to be as efficient, but there's a world where he gets the same amount of yards, the same amount of touchdowns, because he's going to get more volume. It's just going to be less efficient. So as opposed to him getting. 5.2 yards per carry on 175 carries or 100 and I think it was like 193 carries. He could get 4.7 yards per carry on 250 carries, which would be a lot. Like that would be of last year, that would be ninth. Like that'd be a lot. I mean, there aren't any big names here. There's also a world where Zeke Elliott comes back. Like that is something that's been floated around. I know he's been talked about with New England, but there's a world where Ezekiel Elliott is back here in maybe a little bit of a lesser role, kind of which, just a goal line guy. If he does come back, which like I don't think it's going to happen, but like if he does come back, then all this is m- mute. Like it doesn't. Which one is it? it which one is it? Is he good without? Do you want him to have Zeke Elliott, or do you not want him to have Zeke Elliott? You're saying that he's going to need Zeke Elliott. Way. Okay, so then you he said all of this Elliott. is so. If Zeke Elliott comes back, you feel better about Tony Pollard and about this playmakers group as a whole. Okay, where yes. would you have them? Would you have them higher than twenty third? Would they crack the top twenty now? Yes, okay. yes, they would for sure. Yes, but then like it's just I really didn't know how much this Cowboys team ran until I looked, and it's like. They're not going to be able to replicate that, and they've got a brand new system this year. So it's like Tony Pollard's not going to see the same type of stuff that he Look, saw I'm, with Kellen Moore. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bearish on Pollard as well. He is 26 years old, especially for fantasy purposes. Like very rarely do you see a case where, oh, now the guy's got the starting job. Let's load up the hype train at exactly. 26 or 27 years old. So like he doesn't have the miles that a usual 27 year old would have. He's like a proven Alexander Madison. He's like what you not the same play type of Alexander player, Madison same is. Like this same is situation. like from now on when a guy gets trapped behind a good running back like this, it will be like, well, what if this is a Tony Pollard situation? Like this is what you hope it could. This is everything that they could have hoped it would be. But we've spent uh, roughly ten minutes on Tony mm-hmm. Pollard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The rest of the wide Let's receiver room, you know, I, I think Ceedee Lamb is one hundred percent a bona fide superstar. I don't think Brandon Cooks is going to come. I think that he maybe even takes a step back, but you know he's taking a step up in quarterback play. It was 29th PFF grade. He put up something. I believe he put up something in the range of. Oh no, he missed time, didn't he? Because he mm-hmm. like quit on the team. Put up like 600 here. yards, something yeah. like that. But in plenty like of targets, 10, ten games, something like that. Because he was, yeah, so not too bad. Um, and then Michael Gallup, you know, you told me that he would be getting a $75 million contract. He came pretty close at 62 and a half over five years. So he's going to be here as the wide receiver three for a while. Um, tight end, look, I understand that they're losing Dalton Schultz, and that's a guy that 
produced that's another for them, huge thing. and that's another huge thing for you. But what was Dalton Schultz before he got to Dallas and he played in this high-powered offense with Dak who likes to target tight ends? Like, could Jake Ferguson or Luke Schoonmaker, once he gets healthy, or Peyton Hendershot, could they not do that? I mean, Blake Jarwin was doing what Dalton Schultz was doing just at a less, you know, Dalton Schultz just won the job. Yeah, because like, Dalton Schultz is a better tight end. Like, I think if Jake Dalton Ferguson Schultz is was anything close player. to Dalton Schultz, then Jake Ferguson would have been starting over Dalton Schultz or at least splitting reps. But Dalton Schultz was getting every single tight end snap. But is That's there not a world in which Jake Ferguson could be 80 to 85% of Dalton Schultz? Like, I don't think Dalton Schultz is a special player. I don't think that's a hot take either. Like, he's going to be fine in Houston, with that. but I think that Dallas could get very similar production from, if not one tight end in Jake Ferguson, from, you know, Jake Ferguson plus Luke Schoonmaker plus Peyton Hendershot. They just kind of split the reps enough to the point where they get almost they build up to almost one Dalton Schultz. I think it's a loss, but I don't think it's a loss as big as people are making it out to be. Dalton Schultz like, had like ten plus touchdowns and a thousand yards. Like he's if you give Jake he Ferguson was really the good. same amount of targets, is there? I mean, could he not do the same thing? No, he couldn't. Straight I, I don't up, think Dalton Schultz is like because he would have he would have done it. He would have been splitting re- he reps. He didn't have the opportunity. He didn't have the opportunity. Because Dalton Schultz was a better football player. And if he could do what Dalton Schultz was going to do, then he would have done it. But he couldn't because he can't. <laughs> Straight up. Like, they Listen, had. I just. I don't think that this is the big impact that everyone is making it out to be. Like, it's not like, you know, a team. Like, it's. Jesus Christ. It's not like if the Saints. Let's pull this out again. It's not like when the Saints lost Jimmy Graham in, like, 2012 or 2013. Like, Jimmy Graham is a special player, Jimmy Graham is hard to replace. I think Dalton Schultz could easily be replaced. Like, if given opportunity, somebody could give you 80% of what Dalton Schultz gives you. You can't do that with a Jimmy Graham or somebody like that. That's fair. Last thing I'll say before we move on. 25.8 tight end target share was fifth most in the league after Dak's return last year. So, I mean, that's not surprising to you. Like, we've they throw a shit ton to the tight end. And what you're saying is... That can replicate that success with the guys they have on the roster. I don't believe it. So well, and they that's also why they didn't have, have a wide receiver three. They used Dalton Schultz as a wide receiver three. Now they have that. So you know you could replace Dalton Schultz. With they had that. And Luke Michael Gallup, even though not healthy, he was he the was two there last year. He was the two. Okay. They didn't that's have right. a they didn't have a three. They were trying out Jalen Tolbert. That was like one of the big problems early in the year. Was Noah like Brown trying was to figure out. Two, Noah Brown honestly. as well. They were trying to figure out that wide receiver three spot after they let. Um, Jesus Christ, I can picture his face. He went to the Dolphins. What is his name? Oh, my God. What is his Cedric name? Cedric Wilson. Yes. After they let him go, they couldn't find, figure out the wide receiver three Football spots. Football knowledge they used, guy. Let's go. They, <laughs> uh, they used Dalton Schultz like that, and like you could get that from Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker and maybe even Michael Gallup as well to eat into those targets. So I definitely think this playmaker group is going to be fine, and I would not be surprised if they rank higher than 10 if everything is still intact this time next year. Okay. Agree to disagree. I will say that Michael Gallup won't replace tight end, like a safety net, in, which is tight end. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But let's move on. We spent way too much time on the quarterback and the playmakers. But rightfully so, man. We said this was going to be a spicy episode, and so far it has been spicy. But prepare for me to digress just a little bit as we move into the offensive line rankings for the Dallas Cowboys this coming season. And, I mean, this has been – Always a great offensive line historically over the past 
10 years, I would say. I mean, honestly, for the entire franchise history of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we've got them ranked at 7th out of 32 teams in the National Football League. Uh, they still got one of the best tackles, probably maybe has a Hall of Fame case in Tyron Smith at the tackle position. Uh, another guy who has a Hall of Fame case on this roster, Zach Martin at the guard position, but... We don't really know if he's going to stick around with this Dallas team. He wants a new contract. He's holding out. And, and Jerry Jones is playing a very rough version of hardball right now with Zach Martin and just expects him not to be there. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out because uh, you really do need Zach Martin on this line. Um, and then as you go, I mean, this is a really – Pollard has one thing going for him, and it's a really good offensive line, and so does Dak. So what are you thinking this year? I, yeah, this is another reason why I'm higher on those the playmaker group and the quarterback group is because it's going to be protected on a week-to-week basis. You know, this is our seventh-ranked offensive line. It's the third-best one we've revealed so far. Um, there's a world where it's even better. There's also a world where it's even worse. So I will grant you that because if Zach Martin's not there, this drops to a group in the late teens, potentially even early 20s-ish, somewhere around there. Um, but then Tyler Smith, first-round pick last year, was supposed to be a project and was actually really not bad. Like there were like Trevor Penning, for example, who was picked a couple picks before Tyler Smith was also supposed to be a little bit of a project. Tulsa, right? Tulsa. Yes. Was also supposed to be a bit of a project. He was good in run defense, but he was, or run blocking was terrible in pass protection. Tyler Smith held up on both sides. He started the season at tackle with Tyler Tyron Smith uh, injured uh, then transitions into guard. That was always going to be the plan. He was never going to take Tyron Smith's job. Um, but moving him into guard, that was kind of what his thing was going to be. And it's worked out well. He played well. Uh, you have Terrence Steele here as well, who really, I mean, especially with the way that Lyle Collins played for Cincinnati last year and may not even be playing for Cincinnati last this year, um, you feel like you didn't really lose that much from Terrence Steele to Lyle Collins. Um this is a good, this is a really good group. And this is another reason why I feel a lot better about the rest of the, the other groups is because I know that they're going to be getting really good offensive line play almost every week. And that's like, especially Tony Pollard. Like if you put Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis or when he's not suspended anymore, Ronald Jones, if you put those guys behind this offensive line, they can probably give you a little bit of something just to give Tony Pollard a breather just to try and keep his efficiency numbers up. So I, I really think that this helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it definitely pushes. I, I graded out the quarterback and playmakers into the offensive line because we have an offensive line ranking. So I was just like, okay. that definitely boosts them for sure. And it would definitely push them up well, in the, the top was, 20 in playmakers. That's The for thing sure. with Dak at quarterback is that, my thing with Dak has always been he needs all the help. Like, he needs a good offensive line. He needs good playmakers. He needs a good running Fair. game. And that's how he'll be successful. If he doesn't have that, then, like, I know that it's not offensive line plus quarterback, but my opinion of Dak changes as a quarterback when he doesn't have a good offensive line. That's not the case for every quarterback in the NFL. So that's fair. You know, the fact that's that he's there fair. puts him a little bit higher for me. I get that. Okay, I'm with that. Uh, but yeah, one of the best offensive line groups in the National Football League for sure. It'll be interesting to see how the Zach Martin thing plays out. Um, if you were to put a bet on it, do you think he returns to Dallas? I think he probably does. Yeah, I think come 
I mean, I was about to say come August, but here we are. We're, we're in August now. So maybe we get a little bit further through training. And Jerry's just been like, we just expect him not to be here. Like, we just, like, we just, this is I would is really it. be surprised if he doesn't suit up this year because then that kind of mean like, Jerry Jones wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants another one. And this, despite what you may think, this might be one of his best shots, and this might be his, you know, I mean, you only got Brandon Cooks for another year. You got to start talking about a Michael Parsons contract. We need to rethink the Dak contract again. Like, that conversation has already started about him getting an extension here. This team may be retooled again, and it might not be as good as it is right now. So, and especially in a wide-open NFC where you've really only got two teams, you can say, like, we, we need to beat those guys to get to the Super Bowl. This is his best shot, and I think that he will – should anyway do anything that he can to get Zach Martin back. That's fair. As should any team with Zach Martin on their line. But let's move on to the front seven for the Dallas Cowboys. And it even gets a better as we move to this group because we have them ranked second out of 32 teams. Uh, so that's pretty damn good uh, if you do the quick math there. Uh, but as you go around this uh, front seven group, I mean, the names on this list, dude, like Dexter Lawrence. I mean, he's been doing his thing for forever. Demarcus Lawrence. Why the fuck did I say Dexter? Uh, but Demarcus Lawrence, he's been a vet for a long time in this league. Uh, had really uh, kind of a bounce back season last year after not like kind of falling out of favor for a few years. Uh, but then you move along and you got one of the best young talents we have in the league right now. And that is Micah Parsons, who's become an absolute dog on the defensive side. Um, you got Vander Esch still there, and if he can play like a fully healthy season this year, I mean, he people are talking about him being the captain of the defense right now. I mean, I know that he used to be before this defense became what they were, uh, but we'll see if he can stay on the field. Um, and I mean, damn, this is and they also draft, they drafted Mossy Smith, who I saw throwing a dude with one hand in a clip the other day. So definitely a talented front seven group as we have them ranked out at second. But who are you excited to see play this year? I mean, this is one of my main reasons for why I'm so high on the Cowboys. Like, I absolutely love this front seven. I think Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL, in my opinion. You know, you can throw Nick Wow, over your boy? You can throw Miles Garrett in that conversation. You can throw TJ Watt, Aaron Donald. All those guys are right there. I was going to say, think Michael Parsons, one there. I think Micah Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. Um he got drafted as a linebacker. Like, we're getting to the point where people forget that. He got drafted to be, like, to play alongside Leighton Vander Esch. And now he's coming in and he's become, what, the second or third best edge rusher somewhere in that conversation. You know, in my yeah. mind, the best edge rusher in the NFL. But just Damn, dude. as good as, dude, I love Michael Parsons. So, clearly that you think that Michael Parsons is better than T.J. Watt on the edge. It's tough. And it's a little bit of recency bias coming at me because we haven't, like, we saw half of a season from TJ Watt. I think that if TJ Watt plays a fully healthy season, he probably breaks the sack record again. <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I feel like Mike Parsons is just so, he has all the tools. He's such a freak. Like, I just. He's special. I, I absolutely love Mike Parsons. Like, I think he is a phenomenal player. Um, and then you pair him with Demarcus Lawrence, which I think makes this, you know, Along with those guys, you know, you have Miles Garrett and now Zadarius Smith in Cleveland. You have TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. I think this is the best edge duo in the NFL as well. I think Demarcus Lawrence plus Michael Parsons, you know, edges out those two uh, other duos 
you have they bring in mozzie smith as a first round pick was a second round player on a lot of people's boards but to come in and just eat double teams and win through double teams like that's what mozzie smith's going to do and that's what they needed like that was one of their main problems last year was you've got these two fantastic guys on the edge but you got no support up the middle from your defensive tackles they bring in mozzie smith here and I think he's going to create a lot of opportunities for those two edge rushers specifically because he's going to eat up double teams in the middle. He's also going to create uh, a lot of opportunities for Oso Dikazua. We have him as our breakout candidate because of that. Spit that out. Respect. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and a linebacker room that I definitely think has some room to grow. You have Leighton Van Der Esch here, who kind of is what he is at this point. He's going to miss five games a season. Um, but then you got Damone Clark here as well, who I think could also take another jump here or take a jump here. And I believe year two, um, look, we have them at second for a reason. We do have them in a tie with another team. Um, but I just did it off of, I just, I broke ties alphabetically. I know that may be kind of stupid. I did for a while, for a while I was, I like for the first couple, I did it that way. And then after a while I did it with the, who's the best player on this unit. Like if it's, with this one, I was like, yeah. well, if I think Michael Parsons is the best player on defense in the NFL, he's breaking any tie here. So, yeah, that's why that's why they're second. I like it. We'll that's see. a new stance this season, man. Michael Parsons being the best defensive player I, in the NFL. I, that's a new stance. I really – I think that he is that guy that can tra- – like he transformed Correct. this defense. We remember uh, those – like that year with Dak Prescott where he was – throwing had to throw for 500 yards game to keep them in it they drafted him and you know it helps that Trayvon Diggs became something as a second round pick and now they're bringing in a Stephon Gilmore and Demarcus Lawrence is back and healthy but Michael Parsons flipped this defense around like just full stop and you know if they ever wanted to for whatever reason and I don't think they should ever do this I remember early in the season last year they tried to do this and it was absolutely killing their defense was they can drop him back as an off-ball linebacker and he can be one of the two or three best off-ball linebackers in the NFL. Like, that's just insane. He's a creative player. Like, I think that when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about Micah Parsons as one of the best players on the defensive side of the ball ever. Wow. Um, I, I was going to have, like, as far as, like, physically gifted prospects go, like Lawrence Taylor vibes-ish, kind of. I mean that's been a, that name has been thrown out a lot when it comes to Michael Parsons and like he, like Lawrence Taylor is Lawrence Taylor it's LT like let's not get too crazy the guy but, won an MVP I mean, Lawrence Taylor won an MVP dude that's insane but that's I the kind of ever type happen of conversation again, but still that's the kind of conversation we're having when it comes to Michael Parsons so keep an eye out I mean we've got them ranked second for a reason on our front seven and it, it'll fun year i mean i'm not i can't argue with the front seven and the strength of this defense also you got dan quinn running the whole rigmarole on defense and you gotta love that too uh but let's move on from this highly ranked front seven and let's dive into this secondary which my blitz pop members have them ranked higher than i do uh, i've got them ranked at 16th uh they come in at ninth so not crazy discrepancy uh not as crazy as like the quarterback was uh, but definitely some stuff to watch this year in Dallas on the secondary. Um, they brought in Stephon Gilmore uh, as their cornerback, too, to go behind Trayvon Diggs, who has emerged as at least one of the most popular, one of the most tantalizing corners 
and then Lashel Football League, uh, big turnover dependent sort of guy. Um, and then you got a great pair of uh, safeties in Malik Hooker. You got Wilson there too. They'll probably run a lot of stuff with Kirsch. I mean, we we're talking about it a little bit before the episode. Uh, they'll probably run some three safety stuff this year. And Dan Quinn, I mean, the dude's just a creative defensive mind. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the secondary, like more than some of the other groups, but I mean, more than I was trying to argue before on the offensive side of the ball. But there's definitely some reason to be concerned. What are you optimistic about in the secondary? I mean, so this last year was a middling group. You know, coverage grade, they rank out at, I believe, 16th, 15th. 15th, um, yeah. They add Stephon Gilmore, who who's bounced around a little bit the last few years, was in Indy last year, spent some time in Carolina the year before, and then was in New England, obviously, before that. Um, but was still a very productive player last year. Among corners, he was 8th in uh, defensive grade. Among all DBs, he was 14th. Uh, he's headed into age 32 season. Like, not too many corners are you going to expect to be productive at that age. But as sort of, you know, if he can just hold down one side of the field and let Trayvon Diggs, you know, well, now we've got to throw at Trayvon Diggs, who's going to who's going to play the game like a receiver and create a lot of turnovers. I think this team definitely could be one of the leading teams in turnovers, especially with the pressure that this defense puts on. And that was a point that I made to you before we started is I know that these things are separate. Like their secondary is different from their front seven. But the fact that they have a Micah Parsons, a Demarcus Lawrence screaming off the edge every single play is going to make their job a lot easier. They're going to be a lot more of a productive secondary because of that. And like I the same time that you were having the Diggs con- or the Dak conversation, you were also arguing for Diggs and I was like, "Look, man, he's really not that crazy of a player. He took a bit of a regression in year 2 and then he's come back and he's just kind of become an average to above average corner, which if you have two of those guys, not a lot of teams do. Uh, you also got a pair of solid safeties here in Donovan Wilson and Malik Hooker. I'm not expecting anything crazy from them, but I think you're going to get stability there. Um, I just, I think that Gilmore maybe has one year left of good play. You know, if he did it last year in Indy where the cornerback room around him was rough. And I mean, like you look at that cornerback room now in Indy without him, especially after the Isaiah Rogers suspension, it's really, really, really bad. So again, everybody helps each other out on this team. And we're talking about another top 10 group here in Dallas. I disagree that we're talking about a a top 10 group here, but I can definitely see like the argument. I mean, Stephon Gilmore is one of the best corners that I've seen ever play in his prime. Uh, but he's not in his prime, and you mentioned that. I mean, he's 32 years old. He did grade out really well among corners last year, um, but there was a fair share of mossings that happened last year against Gilly, too, that would have not ha- happened previously in his career. So he's definitely on his sunset. And Trayvon Diggs, like, we want to get, we want to hype him up so much. And honestly, like, there is a decent amount of hate on Trayvon because of his, like, streakiness and his, like, interception flukiness or whatever you want to call it. But it might even be worse. Like, the hate should be even farther than it is. I mean, last year, he graded out 67.6 defensive grade, 42nd at position. 67 coverage was 45th at the cornerback position. And this is a guy, it's like, oh, you look at those stats, and that's not even surprising when we talk about Trayvon Diggs because of the interception numbers. In 17 full games last year, he had three interceptions. So... 
are we calling this like the interception dependent guy? Like you can if he has th- only three picks in a season. Like that's not terrible. It's tied for ninth among corners. But like three picks in comparison to eleven the uh, like the year before, and that, that could justify all of his bad grades. Three picks last year does not justify those terrible coverage and defensive grades. So he's not like even a like calling him a top twenty cornerback in the league right now is questionable. You know, I, and then look, you've got. I agree. I agree, and I think that he's very similar to a guy that we talked about last episode in Tariq Woolen, where if you have a good corner on the other side of him that is much more of a coverage dependent player, then he can kind of play a little bit more risky. He can, you know, he's guarding the wide receiver too. That they're going to be like he becomes the first read now, and he's going to see a lot of balls thrown his way, and just the nature of how he plays and the nature of the position. he's going to force variance to go in his direction. He's either going to allow a touchdown or he's going to turn the ball over. And, you know... But he's not turning the ball over. Just because he's not... say that, like... But he's not, didn't turn the ball over last year. Like, it's like... That's the argument the year before, 100%. But now, it's like, he just kind of sucked last year. We know how corner bounces from here to here to here to here all the time. They're here right now. He's at three. Like, I would not be surprised if he puts together like an eight or nine pick season, especially with the defense getting better around him. Um, you know, this offense potentially even getting better as well. Teams are going to have to pass more. He could be a lot more risky throws thrown his way. Um, I just think that there's not too many cornerback. To right. It's not too many cornerback duos better than this pair here. You know, if you think that nine is a little high, I would I would hear you out. But I, I, really I think the think name value is top 10. I think the name value is top 10 too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know how much further down you can move them um, just because of how productive they're probably going to be in the counting stats. Okay. We will see how it goes this year. I'm just not a huge believer in the secondary. But as you said, this great front seven, which I can't argue with, is going to help force turnovers for the secondary. And if you've got Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator, most things will turn out okay. So, all right. Well, let's move on from the secondary, and let's uh, start to wrap this up as we dive into the coaching segments. And we've got them ranked out as 22nd among coaching groups in the NFL. And a lot of that is because of Mr. Mike McCarthy, who probably one of the hotter seats in the NFL. I mean, do you think that he has a – chance of being fired this year i mean i i've always thought that like i always thought that he should have been fired earlier but i mean he's still the head coach of the dallas cowboys jerry jones has to like something about him but he's definitely got to have a hot seat this year right i 100 percent agree um i like while i'm very high on the cowboys as opposed to you guys as opposed to consensus um things could 100 percent go wrong here and we've seen that happen with Dallas teams with high expectations before things go wrong. They haven't had a whole lot of playoff success. I think if they have a wild card exit or a you know a first game exit, whenever that is for them, um, I think Mike McCarthy is out of here. I think he's run his course here in Dallas if things don't go well. Uh, the reason why Jerry Jones is keeping him around is because he can kind of run the team through Mike McCarthy. You know, Mike McCarthy is not a very strong voice. He's not a guy that is going to go, you know, butt heads with Jerry Jones. If Jerry Jones wants to make this move or make this adjustment, I think Mike McCarthy he, will do it. 
he butt heads a little bit with Aaron Rodgers towards the end, but I think he's yeah. a little bit more loyal. But to he took a year Jerry off, Jones, and sure. he he took a year off and was like, okay, well I can't do that again, or I'm going to get fired again. So I think he's kind of you know don't bite the hand that feeds you, and that's kind of the mindset that he's brought here in here to Dallas. Um, this is the 22nd ranked group because of him, because of the uncertainty there. Also, he's taking uh, over the play calling duties, which he hasn't done since he was in Green Bay. Uh, we obviously have Kellen Moore there last season, and a year ago was a guy that was getting head coaching offers. Like, why did he not take the head coaching offers? We don't really know. Came back to bite him, though, because he the offense took a step back. And he now is an offensive coordinator again. He made the lateral move to go uh, call plays for the Chargers, which I do think could be another platform for him to get another head coaching gig if things go well there. But he's gone. Brian Schottenheimer is in. I think that he's going to help implement that run-first mentality that McCarthy wanted to add in last year, even though they ran the ball a pretty solid amount last year with with Kellen Moore. Excuse me. Schottenheimer is one of the better offensive coordinators in the league, and he's probably top two or three of guys that aren't actually calling plays among offensive coordinators. Um, Then on defense, you know, this is the part where it gets propped up. Uh, Dan Quinn was another guy. He's been a head coach, got head coaching offers, uh, I believe, this offseason and the offseason before that. Um, Yeah, like how is he going to coach? He's going to get them every year. You know, this is he can implement a culture. He runs one of the best defenses in the NFL. And he runs it really well. Um, and, you know, he's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to a Super Bowl as a head coach. He's won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. And if there's a reason why you're high on this coaching staff and really you're high on this defense, it's a lot because of Dan Quinn and what he's going to do yeah. here. You know, without Dan Quinn, we're probably talking about Mike McCarthy and Schottenheimer a little bit later. Um and with a better head coach, plus Dan Quinn, maybe even with Dan Quinn as the head coach That's here, what I'm saying. And like, a different what guy. if Dan Quinn were the head coach oh, and best believe, Mike McCarthy were the OC? Best believe Dan Quinn's getting like, the first. Would, he's getting the first interview next year if things go south here and McCarthy's out of here. Dan Quinn's getting the first interview because he's been in the building. He knows how Jerry likes to run things. There's not going to be a big schematics change from the defense that's probably going to be the strong point of this team. For sure. Like, yeah. You you got to be excited about the prospects of that, but as of right now, it just kind of feels like we're waiting on Mike McCarthy to get fired here for this team to unlock the true potential of this team, and you just kind of hope that they can outperform Mike McCarthy's shortcomings. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, many teams have tried. Few have answered the call, trying to get over Mike McCarthy's shortcomings, but uh, we'll see what they can do this year. And I do think that Kellen Moore is definitely overrated. Like I think, I think so like there were some calls last, like that. Uh, there was a call where they put like three people on the line, and it was was it? It was one well, of the, the last plays. The, uh, the Zeke snap was the last snap yeah. that he may have ever taken as a cowboy, depending on how or where he ends up signing. But the Zeke's right as the only offensive lineman gets blown up, and then Dak gets pressured and throws it into the dirt, and, then and that was Kellen's last play call. And it's like, <laughs> yep, all right, well, let's go hire that guy. Um. But exactly. still did produce one of the best offenses in the NFL, but he definitely had some help with that offensive line, the playmakers, and Dak. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, let's really start to wrap it up here as we move on from the coaching and dive into this schedule, and then we'll make things after that. Uh, but schedule, the over-under, we have sets at 9.5 over in Vegas. 
Uh, strength of schedule sits at third, and my God, this is a colorful schedule, my friend. Sheesh, we got uh, the whole rainbow on here. So, obviously, uh, you play in division, NFC East, NFC Beast, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, you play, got to play the Eagles twice, and you got to play the Giants twice, got to play the Commanders twice. So, that's going to be something they probably take both from the Commanders as much I as I hate to say. Slide, slide that one in there. Yeah, I know. But they probably take one from the Giants, and they probably lose both to the Eagles, in my I think personal they take opinion. One. I think they can take one from Philly. Okay, yeah. I mean, I could see it, for sure, uh, especially at home. Um, but then you go around, like, you've got to play the 49ers, the Chargers, the Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Bills, dude. The Like, this end of stretch... You've got to play, okay, in between the Commanders weeks. So you got week 12, you play the Commies. Then you got the Seahawks, the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Lions, and then the Commanders to wrap it up in week 18. Like, that's potentially five losses in a row as you're going into playoff time. This is a scary okay. schedule, man. I can't see a world where that's five losses in a row. It could happen for sure, um, but they do get three of those five at home. So I think they're going to be favored in the three home games. Uh, Philly is probably like a minus one and a half situation. Um, but yeah, this is a beast. I mean, you have the NFC East, you have Philly twice, you have the Giants twice, you also have the NFC West where you have to play San Francisco and Seattle, and then you have the AFC East, which we've talked about as the best division in football right now, maybe one of the best divisions in the history of the NFL. You got to play Buffalo, you got to play Miami, you got to play the Jets. And then you get the Chargers yeah, as like that. Bill Belichick. As that, yeah, and you get the Chargers as that 17th game. This is rough. I mean, it's definitely not going to be, you know, if if there are struggles, they're going to be exposed with this schedule. And if there's a drawback for how well or how good you feel about the Cowboys or how bad you feel about the Cowboys, you know, this is it. This is where you'd have problems here. I'm going to go over because I believe in this team. Um, but I would not – Bang. Yeah, I, I you know, know you're I'm going saying. under here. Dude, Not this is a team that won 12 games last year and that I think got better. You added a Stephon Gilmore. You added a Brandon Cooks. They lost Zeke Elliott, who might come back. They lost Kellen Moore. Who you thought was overrated. Yes, but a much better offensive coordinator than Brian Schottenheimer. And a much better play caller than Mike fucking McCarthy. I don't say that. We'll see. I mean, we haven't seen Mike McCarthy call plays in a while. So we'll see. Maybe maybe he's been lab. Maybe he took that year off and he was in the lab. Last time he did, together. he got fired. <laughs> maybe he was in the lab putting some shit together. But this again, this is a team that won twelve Literally games last year. Some shit together. <laughs> I would be very surprised if they're sitting at nine wins. Like this is a very good football team. Like um, we've talked about like our individual rankings because of the discrepancies. I have the Cowboys at sixth. So to see them here at eleventh. That's why I said at the beginning of the episode, I said I am very excited for this one because we have some varying opinions on how good this Cowboys team is. I have them at 6th. You have them at 16th, which is asinine. You have them behind the Vikings, behind the Giants. You have them behind the Giants. Yep. Brian why? Dayball, baby. Well, just Brian the Dayball, co- So the coaching better. staff. I probably I, I feel better about Daniel Jones than I do Dad Prescott this yeah. year. No, you don't. Yep. I feel a lot better about Saquon. That I do, Tony Pollard. You have um, Daniel Jones at 23rd, and you have – wait, no. I have Daniel Jones at 23rd. You have Daniel Jones at 24th, and you have Dak Prescott at 17th. 
So even if you're like, eh, well, things have changed. But Dak threw that many spots. eight picks on Twitter, man. <laughs> Daniel Jones that, supposedly looked like dog shit yesterday against. He looked a lot Detroit. better today. I don't know if you saw oh, those bet. reports. Oh, I bet. Okay. But this is not a Daniel Jones conversation. Oh, this is a Dallas Cowboys conversation. Um, anyway, other teams you've got in front. Vikings, Giants, Jets, Jags, Seahawks, Lions. You know, five of those teams we've already talked about. Oh boy, uh, yeah, I've got them at six. Just for other the other guys, Mitchell has them at ninth, and Tyler has them at tenth. So you are definitely on your own here, as am I to a certain degree, because you know I've got six them a little spots. bit higher than those six two guys. Spots. I could have them at twenty. Six spots in overall rankings, like you don't, like if it was like the offensive line rankings or the playmakers or something like that, where like if you like one guy a little bit more than another guy, like you could have them, you know, four or five spots. Dude, having a team. Six spots away from where we all have those them. teams you mentioned, though, I feel perfectly fine having over the Cowboys. The Vikings, perfectly fine. I mean, the if Vikings. the Vikings win their division, then I mean, it's pretty feels pretty good, and I think that that's the Cowboys totally over under would be at 11 and a half if they were in the NFC North. And I'd take the under again, and you would lose a lot of money. But yeah, I'm taking the over here. I mm. I, I, I spoke my piece, man. We, we spoke both spoke our piece. piece. This has been a relatively civil podcast, so we'll keep it that yeah. way as we head into the finale. It's really just a matter of opinion on this. Like, I think that it could go either way with a lot of these outcomes and a lot of these guys. Like, I think it really could go. It's a 50-50 for me. And it's like, I'm just, I hate the Cowboys, so I might as well just go south on all of them. So, all right. I'm not. I am. I am the Chris Russo. I am the Stephen A. Smith. I am the Skip Bayless. I am. I am that guy. <laughs> I feel like I got undisputed. There is no like voice of reason. It's just Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless yelling at each other all the time. That's exactly. why I never really like. I, I. I don't really watch any of them. But like, mm-hmm. undisputed is for entertainment value. I just can't watch first take because it's. We'll that, talk about all those shows, shows the other day, but yeah. Yeah, this is why you want to watch the yeah. Blitz Pod. Don't watch first take. Don't watch Undisputed with new guest Richard Sherman. I think that's going to be fun because if we remember about ten yes. years ago, Richard Sherman came on the show and let's get Bayless up. So lead the it. first day is going to whenever be like, you say my name, yeah. lead with all pro, and it was something all pro and Stanford graduate. I was like, damn, let's go, respect. Yeah. But yeah. You come here to get better content than you do on those programs. Uh, but let's move on and really start to wrap this up as we dive into the rankings segment for Dallas. And uh, we've got them ranking at 11 overall. Uh, on the offensive side, we've got them ranked at 15th. Uh, on the defensive side, we've got them ranked at 3rd. And their championship window, I mean, this is the first one that's open. And we had, it's we had one cracked, to we had, we had cracked open for Seattle because, like, Mitchell put it as open. I don't know if I'm there yet with yeah. Seattle. And championship window is my uh, is my job to fill that in. I just don't know if I'm there yet. I feel better about um, the quarterback play being more sustainable heading into next year in Dallas. I feel a lot better about the defense. Like, if the offense is bad, and I think that 15 for this offense is kind of the floor, <laughs> and if that happens and their defense is third, they're still a 10-win team. Like if Seattle's offense falters a little bit, 
they're going to win like seven games because the defense cannot like we we love their secondary but that front seven could be a big problem for them um and i just i feel a lot better about dallas and as you can do some math here we've only got two teams left in the nfc so the being the third best team in a conference i think your championship window is definitely open yeah that's for sure and i mean this despite the mean things that i've said about dallas in this podcast like they've got the core together that they're going to have they should have together for a long time like cd is going to be a dallas cowboy for life i mean if it works out correctly so about three years in but you know (laughs) could happen if it works if things work out like this is a core that you want to keep together like you got cd lamb you got Trayvon Diggs. You got Micah Parsons. Uh, Vander Esch is not part of that core anymore. But I don't – whether or not Dak is a part of this core, we, we shall see. Uh, but you have a lot of the guys that you want to keep on this roster for a while. And, I mean, you also have all the complimentary pieces right now. So, like, if they do not live up to expectations this year and their championship window does close, I feel like it, they have – it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's Jerry Jones. They could easily open up that championship window right up again with the right and, quarterback. And the thing is, if this team falters this year, we talked about it with McCarthy. If this team falters, McCarthy's gone. And I think there's Dak a pretty solid chance. I, I, th- I think Dak gets one more chance because you want to see Dak without McCarthy. See if he has it better with, you know, without the head coach, with another play caller in here. Like, I think that there is a pretty solid chance that if the Dallas Cowboys job opens up, Somebody who is in high standing, you know, whether it be an Eric Bieniemy, whether it be a Dan Quinn here, they make an upgrade in the coaching department if Mike McCarthy is gone, which means that <laughs> if they fire Eric Bieniemy, good God, I'm going to be laughing. That Whoever, awesome. it was just like the first offensive coordinator name that came to my mind. You know, maybe there's a guy okay. that we don't even know about yet that emerges as like the top offensive coordinator candidate or the ne- the top head coaching candidate into next year. But there is a pretty solid chance that if they let go of Mike McCarthy, they make an upgrade at the head coaching spot. And then we feel a lot better about them heading into next year with most of the same pieces and this championship window still open. So I am extremely bullish on the Cowboys. You know, like I said, I think 15th for their offense is the floor. Like there's too much talent on this group. I've got them, them ranked to be around a bottom 15, half 16. Like I've got them ranked. How did they come 15. into fifth? So I've got them at 12th. You've got them at 15th. Mitchell's got them at 15th. Tyler's got them at 17th. We got to call him in for guest appearance so I can light him up Ooh. too. I don't like that. So okay, Bronco. All right, okay. I thought I was on. All right, look, look. I thought I was on an island out here. That's I why I came them. loaded today. I love my Steelers. <laughs> I absolutely love my Steelers. I will be speechless if the Steelers' offense outperforms the Cowboys' offense, which Tyler has them doing. I would be absolutely. Speechless. I I think that there's a solid chance. Believe in your boy Kenny Pickett, man. Come on. Deontay Johnson. Dak George is a tier Pickens, in front of Kenny Pickett. Our play, their playmakers move. are a tier above Najee ours. Harris. And their offensive line is a tier above ours. Yes, and our offensive play I caller agree. is entirely worse than theirs. No, the playmakers is a tier above. You're tripping balls, man. Give your team some respect. Dude, I, I love my guys. You know I love my guys. I think Tony Pollard is probably, at worst, just as good as Najee. Probably better, as much as it pains me to say. CD Lamb is like three. At tiers. least we know that Najee can take a ton of carries and tolerate it. Yeah, maybe be completely inefficient, but and he's not a tiny man. Like no, he's not. A Pollard's tiny a tiny guy. 
All right, we're getting off the rails here. Yeah. It's right, been a yeah. great episode that we've had today covering the 11th ranked Dallas Cowboys. Can't wait to dive into the last 10 teams that we have, man. It's kind of sad, but by the time we're done, football season is right on our doorstep. So get hype as we roll through these last 10, but we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.